0: All this month, we are asking you to tell a friend about a podcast that they would love. Right now, think of a friend, think of your mom, think of a family member, anyone you care about, and think about what podcast they might really love. Maybe it's wrestling, they want to listen to The Masked Man Show. Maybe it's video games and they want to listen to Achievement Oriented, both Ringer podcasts. Are they into filmmaking? They should check out Sean Fennessey's interview series on Channel 33, where he talks to some of our best directors. There are podcasts outside of The Ringer. Maybe they like soccer? They should check out The Football Ramble. That's my, my favorite podcast for years and years and years. You got it? Okay, so now do it. You tell them in real life or on social media, and if they don't know about the podcast you just show them how to use them it's pretty easy right tell us what you recommend with the hashtag tripod that's t-r-y-p-o-d and thanks for spreading the word
1: i need sports to have to clear the room stand up and walk now, now.
0: Hello, and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at theranger.com, and today is a special episode because Andy and I interviewed Gareth David, the lead singer from the English band Los Campesinos. Now, Los Campesinos just put out their most recent album, Six Scenes. It's uh, their sixth album in total. They have another EP called Sticking Fingers into Sockets that you should also check out. They've been around for a decade. Uh, They are an English band. They formed at... uh, university in Wales actually, but they are an English band. And Gareth is probably one of me and Andy's favorite lyricists. He's got this really like razor-sharp way of looking at things that's very self-deprecating and very literate, very specific in its details. He likes to make references to beer and soccer and emotional devastation. Um the band kind of sounds like gosh, I guess it would be you know, when Andy and I first met each other, this is the easiest way to talk about this. When Andy and I first met each other, it was a time when there was a lot of transatlantic communication musically between American indie rock and some of the underground British music, and also just basically Brit pop at that time. You saw Blur get influenced by Pavement. You saw bands like Ursa Yotsura, who were kind of a little-known band from from the UK, who were taking what they were hearing from like Archers of Loaf and Pavement and indie bands from America and shooting it through their own specific lens. Los Campesinos kind of is a further down-the-line wave of that, right? So, if Andy and I sort of started hanging out in the mid, late '90s, and that was starting to happen with some of the Britpop bands, as indie and British music spoke back and forth to each other across the ocean, you get a band like Los Campesinos that comes along in 2007, which I don't think that you could have—they would sound anywhere what they sound like without American indie rock. But by that same token, they have a very distinctively british sensibility to me um the that really comes down to where gareth's lyrics come in and some of my favorite songs uh by them are just so razor sharp like you you would almost compare them to a Smith song in the way that they are so specific in their perspective, so empathetic with the characters, but also so cutting about the emotional stakes of what's going on in the songs. Um, this new album, Six Scenes, is amazing. I also recommend um, We Are Beautiful, We Are Doomed, uh, Hell of Sadness. These are great albums by this band. So we talked to Gareth for a while about just being an indie band for the last 10 years and what that means now versus what that means what that meant when they first got together uh, it's a much different industry now los campesinos hasn't really uh been around for a couple of years I mean they, they didn't break up or anything but such is the way of the world that you know if you're not a festival touring every 18 months album band you just deal with life's realities and that's something that Gareth talked about uh in a really interesting way and just sort of Going home and having a job and doing that for a while. And then when the mood strikes and when things. Things all fall into place. You come back and you, you put out an album. Um, so, Six Scenes is the album. You can find that on any streaming music service. You should go buy a copy if you get a chance. And um, I know the Los Campesinos were touring America. They might be wrapping up by now, but I think they're going to be on the East Coast. So, if you're hearing this on the East Coast on a, on a Thursday, and ch- check the Internet. They might be around. Um, just a couple of housekeeping notes for the Watch podcast. I'm going to be in Texas at in, in South by Southwest. Uh, over the weekend, I'll be down there with Sean Fennessy from The Ringer. And Sean's been on The Watch a bunch of times. And you should check out Sean's podcast on Channel 33, obviously, where he interviews directors. Sean and I are both attending the film festival there. So we're going to do a live watch podcast for people uh, at. In Austin, if you have a badge or if you have a pass, you can get in. Um, I, I don't think that they're selling tickets, unfortunately. But you know, we will be around, so hit us up on Twitter if you if you're in, if you're there. Um, also, we'll be back on Monday with a regular Watch Pod. Andy and I will be doing the Double Down Book Club, long promised. Uh, that's Zoo Station by David Downing is the book we discussed. So if you are a speed reader and you haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, now is the time to get into it. And then. Business as usual. Andy's back Thursday, uh, and we should be trucking along. We have lots of great television to talk about. Um, So, thanks for listening. Check out this interview with Gareth David, Luis Campesinos. The album is called Six Scenes.
1: When the music comes in, you'll just sing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. We have so a request. S- <laughs> okay. Very, yeah.
1: um, we're gonna, I think we're just going to jump right into yeah, it, if so that's all right. Sure. I mean, obviously, we're so thrilled to have you. Chris and I are big fans of the band. Thank you very much. Um, I think, Chris and I have not discussed this ahead of time, I think that Six Scenes, the new record, might be your very best. I think it's a fucking great album. Thank you. Do you think I, it's your very best? I. Oh, look at you. The, Chris I, has a handheld, and he
2: looks very Phil Donahue today. I think my... Opinion on whether it's our best is the least important opinion and I really struggle to like have any opinion on it until a year later yeah. it's it's weird because <laughs> when the shame sets in in some cases yes <laughs> the last couple of records that hasn't happened like generally speaking there's yeah. been a little bit down the line and I'll I won't listen to the album for a long time then I'll go back to it and I'll be like ah, you know but with no blues I still like that record okay Six scenes right now, I like it. It's, we're just playing songs from it for the first time now, so that's really exciting. and people a lot of people have been saying that they think it's our best, which is like very a great relief.
1: That was a very trumpian answer like, so many people <laughs> are telling you so many people you you can't do things like uh, I mean when you listen to a record and you hear like the song that you wish you hadn't put on or the, the mm-hmm. chord that was a little misplayed. And you, you win, but you can't tell people, right? You can't, you can't go out there and be like, "Oh, I'd like, like I'd like that one back."
2: No, I think I do. <laughs> I'm at a point now where uh, I was going to say, "Stop caring," which isn't the case. I think I sort of care <laughs> so much yeah. that I just have got this complete, like, baseline honesty about everything. And I think because that's always been impor- important in our songs, they've always been. Honest and open, that I feel like I I can extend that to dismissing our whole back background.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you skipped Hello Sadness when you were talking about them there, and you know, okay. I actually listened to the band religiously, but hadn't read about the band mm-hmm. in a couple years. And a lot of the sixteens review, which have been almost uniformly positive, were like a return to four. You know, like you know, hello, like uh Hello Sadness was like a little bit of a dip, and I'm Ooh. like, wow, wait a second. I, I fucking loved Hello Sadness. It, it's funny if you take a step out of like the con- the discourse about a band uh-huh. that you find out that there's like this conventional wisdom about like oh well this was the dip and then they came back and I mean do you even do you, you pay attention to stuff like that or do you find yourself having a parallel discourse about like the highs and lows
2: of your catalog? I wish I could say no, <laughs> um, but I think well one of the things is that when people now that we've got six records people do tend to rank them mm-hmm. in their, um, in preference order and there doesn't seem to be a consensus like you said like some people love Hell and Sadness and others are like oh it's Dour and Dreary it's my least favourite and I, I think I like that it means that I needn't listen to anybody's opinion because yeah,
1: <laughs> everybody is equally wrong. But one of the reasons why I think we love the band and one of the reasons we're excited to talk to you is that we all we, we know from reading interviews and also from listening to the records that you are a fan of pop music and mm-hmm. indie music and a fan of everything that goes with it, the pageantry, the stories and nonsense. Absolutely. You the ranking. Must, the yeah. ranking. Like, you must love that, too. I feel like you probably have rankings of your favorite bands, and so now all of a sudden to be at a point in your career where mm. you can put your own stuff up there, how does that
2: feel? It's weird. Everything related to being in a band and in this band, maybe in particular, because people who like our band really, really like our band. Um, and it's just so stupid and odd like that um, That people care enough to, to talk about those things and um, like especially because we're on tour in the States first time in five years properly uh, in North America for the first time <laughs> in <Okay>. five <laughs> in years Vancouver properly. really messed it up yeah. and uh, and so we're meeting people for the first t- like people who are seeing us for the first time which is really reassuring yeah, it's right. not just the same people yeah. that it was five years ago and sort of it's because people listen to listen to the music, and I guess I've, I, I struggle with the fact that people love our band in the same way that I have loved bands in the past and do, and I put those people whose music I love on not on a pedestal, but you know, I I, uh, I admire them in some way and we experience that at gigs like we sell sell our own merch so we're at the merch desk all evening and just it's a stream of people coming up and talking, sharing their experiences and things like that and and that people do really open up and, uh, and just want to talk about the band or talk about the way that the band's helped them in the past through different situations and stuff is um, I just don't, it's, I do not know how to sort of believe it or um just understand that it's happening it's so so odd i I think um i think i don't know if most people in bands feel like that but the fact that people like our band still after a decade is just the weirdest thing and i don't know how i'm meant to sort of reconcile that and your band has
0: gone through you've sort of persevered through these volcanic changes in the music industry which i think is actually you know is is it's as relevant as you want to make it but I do think I was even looking at um, the Spotify page and you guys have these incredible playlists mm-hmm. and it's like it's weird like I knew you would have really good playlists you know I knew the people in the band and it's awesome like the bass player has like the this like grime techno playlist yeah, yeah. and Gareth has his favorite songs and then they have songs that they were listening to throughout six scenes, and I was like yes mm-hmm. like this is the perfect Spotify band because they have like all this stuff at their fingertips but then you guys were also a great 7-inch band you guys were, you know what I mean? Like, you've you've gone through these, like, incredibly different ages of, of music in a weird way.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I think um, this being, what, what just I just have to remember what year we're in for a second. <laughs> I have to do that all the time. <laughs> we formed in 2006, so uh, with, um, like, the 10-year anniversary of everything coming around, there's Plenty of reason to be sort of looking back, and he says uh, with dollar signs in his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> um, sorry, Canadian dollar signs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, the uh, we, so we have really sort of bridged the the period of we were signed right at the end of the sort of indie music industry boom. When I don't know what it was like in the in the states, but in the UK, labels were paying out obscene amounts of money to guitar bands because there was that wave then. it's like Arctic Monkeys wave kind mm, of yeah, yeah. and um, we were right at the end of that just in time thankfully <laughs> scoot to the door <laughs> to, yeah to, like, <laughs> slam, slam it behind Turner. you yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> like <laughs> to, in a zombie to, movie like well the door's closed now <laughs> yeah. so we had um, like a big recording uh, contract that we signed a big publishing deal and very quickly the bottom dropped out of the music industry and I think we have adapted to it quite well I we we were always very sensible from the start in terms of like we did the uh, advert for Budweiser and rather than just taking all that money and spending it personally we were like right we'll save that for when the band becomes less popular so that we can still tour that's really and no uh, wonder
1: you sneered when Chris offered you a Miller Lite
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I got to be very brand loyal come on um,
1: <laughs> just some respect
2: <laughs> but um so we we have made that transition quite well, I think. And there aren't many bands who released their first record in 2008 who are still going at it now and on six records. And I think we've made a lot of sensible decisions and been willing to adapt to the changes of the music industry along the way
0: I remember I think I first heard you guys you, you, you guys were really big on mp3 blogs mm, you know yeah. I, like just did, and that was like and a, what is that now yeah I mean it's just why you, you, you need them I mean you need them to like curate but I mean it was, it was that was a huge time of kind of just like going through four or five different sites and I had like a little app that on my browser and it would be like download all you know and mm-hmm. I would just then yeah. go listen to them like on a walk around the op,
2: yeah. like.
1: You're, you're saying app and browser like you're saying fax machine <laughs> no, you know, daguerreotype <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. very romantic picture it's you're painting like a, that
2: was Myspace as well yeah. that was when like that made it so easy for any band to just immediately have somewhere to oh, host yeah. their music and th- things like that exist now but I don't think anywhere has done it as well as Myspace who, who was in
1: the Los Campesinos Myspace top 8
0: Tom Obviously, <laughs> obviously, Tom. No, we ditched that guy <laughs> f- as quick
2: as we could. But um, well, that was always that was always about flirtation mm-hmm. and um, power plays, really. Wasn't and then it? It was like so, Ronaldinho on there too, just like in yeah. case, it was, <laughs> just in case he's browsing. Yeah, he's you like, were, it was like, These guys it like would be it was <laughs> like maybe a band that we were trying to impress, yeah. or. Um, maybe somebody that we fancied or something like that Augustus
1: and then... Bush founder of the brewery <laughs> um, yeah, yeah exactly In hopes that he would um, it, it's interesting because Chris was talking about the, the changes in the music industry that went around the band but I've also always been drawn to the fact the changes within the band itself mm-hmm. because you, fa- you formed a university mm-hmm. you were quite young I imagine if you were university students
2: at yeah, the time yeah not as long as I wish we were we were like 21 and I feel that's, 20, 21 young. but I, I wish we were teenagers I feel because then I could say <laughs> "Well, we formed the band when we were teenagers yes. and that's a lot more romantic but right um, and then
1: also you could credibly still be playing after 50 years and you're not in your 70s yet and, yeah, yeah good point um, but uh, forming a band when you're in college mm-hmm. is one thing mm-hmm. um, you know and, and everything's fun and everything's a laugh um, and then to be still be doing it more as a career 10 years later. Obviously, members have left mm-hmm. to, to pursue other things. Yeah. Um, did, did you get into it thinking that this is the only thing you wanted to do? And at what point did that... Th- what, at what point did those conversations start to come into the band when reality hit and then sort of phase two or phase three of the band had to
2: be accepted? That's a good question. I think um, I never wanted to be in a band. I never had... I mean, I like music. I, I, <laughs> That's good. Have I have that on the record now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was always... Far more interested in soccer, though. Always have been, always will be. Um, we, formed the, we formed a band, not because we wanted to be in a band, but we had a couple of friends who had a band, and they were rubbish. And we went to see them play shows, and they looked like they were having fun. And me and Neil were like, well, we could do that a bit better. So then we did. And then um, it happened. It all happened so quickly. like In terms of putting our four demos on MySpace and we'd been offered we would had like recording contracts faxed over to us. There it uh, is. <laughs> like uh within the next two or three days it was ludicrous. Wow. And so we didn't rush into it. We took How did they in, have your fax number? Was it like it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. just into the university library. Okay. We had to go in to pick it up. Um, but so then very quickly we it was it was um we still had one year left at university so we were recording on weekends there were a couple of great weekends where we'd fly to Spain for a gig and then be back in lectures for Monday morning so that was really fun I mean it did kind of kill my last year of uni because I just stopped really sure and there were a couple of good friends who basically wrote my essays for me going through that which I remain very grateful for but you write their Um, lyrics now (laughs) that's right yeah perfect yeah and uh, so just, just like say hello and thanks to my friend Drake for uh, that. Uh, well, he's um, succeeded enormously yeah, since uh, then. Uh, I didn't realize my it. My lyrics, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I think that the thing that you mentioned about it being a career is the. I mean, it isn't really because we're at a point now where we we all work jobs, we work day jobs, and it's more. Uh, it's it's a hobby, but it's one that we get to do to a uh, reasonably. Uh, high level obviously we get to come to the United States and um, but it is is a hobby and I I think that's healthy I mean the idea of music being a career I think is one that forces you to make decisions that you're not actually that true to and because we know that it isn't the be all and end all Mm. for us because it can't be now um I think that's beneficial.
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that in particular because the one the, the one constant in the band, um, well, there are a couple you you being among them, but mm-hmm. you were seven members at the start. Yeah, how many now are we still at seven, seven? Yeah. still at seven? That's a large number of people. That's mm-hmm. a large number of people to be a band, to be a gang, um, to to travel, to organize with. And it does seem like because I know that you guys also had jobs and you have jobs between the records that when it's time to come together again, there has to be purpose behind that, right? Yeah. There has to be. This is what we. This is what this band is now. This is what we're going to be doing. This is mm-hmm. what we're going to be sounding like. So, in the downtime, what's that like for you? I mean, are you you're living your life? Obviously, you're you're going to um, soccer tournaments in, yep. in in Portugal, perhaps. <laughs> yep. I'm just spitballing. Mm-hmm. When do you realize it's time to pick up the bat phone, and and how do you sell it to the rest of them?
2: Um. Well. With this record, it having been the longest that we've gone between records, no blues in 2013, and so we didn't start recording uh, six scenes until summer 2016. It was like a real. It was a. to say it's a difficult couple of years, and the word difficult is is dramatic. It was just in the context of being lost, Campesinos, It was it was frustrating, um, and it was sort of a stinking. You know, should we bother? Is it we felt that No Blues was kind of slept on a little bit. Um, it got good reviews and people liked it a lot, but we thought it we thought it was really strong and it that wasn't really reflected in 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 what came from it. So but then I think it just got to a point Tom, um, who I write with and mm-hmm. he's been in the band from from the very start, um, he tours with Perfume Genius mm-hmm. and he plays guitar in his live band so he's off playing gigs and I think he kind of started to feel like he loves playing those shows but he wanted to be playing his songs and like seeing people react to his music and we just got together um, at the start of, of 2016 and just had a conversation like why don't, why are we waiting, why we know we can do this, it was we didn't have a record label Um we, that's when we started to self-manage and it was like we need to it, it, it's just like the story isn't finished and and it, it's that again sounds very dramatic but um, but, it, but it
1: could have been right I mean yeah if, if, but if it, there's no momentum it could have just
2: yeah and and I think that's why the reaction to that six scenes has got has been so fulfilling for us it's only been out for a few days but uh, that's really like buoyed us and then so we we that's when we came up with the idea of making the soccer shirts to commemorate our 10 year anniversary as a band and we sold over a thousand of them in a week and suddenly we had the funds to do a record and then it was like right let's do this and Tom started compiling the ideas that he had Um, I never write until I'm in the studio anyway so I just sort of put my feet up for another three or four wow, months. Wow, the Jay-Z of the indie circuit. I didn't realize it's that. It's time
0: to make an album. Call yeah. me in three months. <laughs> yeah, but it, kind
2: of. I wish it wasn't like that. But I, I don't... So I guess as an extension of what I said about um, never wanting to be in a band, I, I, I don't... I've never... I would never be comfortable with the idea of me being a musician or a writer or an artist or whatever very flattering words people use. Do you like prefer that's... flaneur? Like what do you... D- 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 Boulevardier? I just write... I, d- I don't know. I d- it's just not what I am. And I... So when I... My only motivation to write is... Oh shit! We've booked like studio time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that. It's deadlines. <laughs> that it's means fresh. you're a writer. You know let me slap so, a label yeah, on that. Not musician. Not, not artist. <laughs> yeah. Writer. Okay, Professional okay, I'll go writer. i writer from now. Okay, but yeah. So that, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my only motivation because I have to.
0: So in the inter- interim period is because your lyrics are so incredibly detailed that they feel like they're something that you've had a record of I mean it seems like something you've been working on for years in between the records and that they have these specific references to specific times to specific events and people specific stadiums specific stadiums <laughs> specific deep lying midfielders um, do you do you have that all up in your head and it's just sort of like a notorious B.I.G. in the studio situation or is it journals and text messages that you've sent to yourself that then just get dumped
2: into a notebook and into a lyric sheet it, it's I promise it is genuinely just what I what I comes into my head in that like month period in the studio that's great I, um, I have like a notes file on on my phone which maybe will have four or five usually just words or um, puns or stuff that I want to <laughs> use I um, I went to previous to recording six scenes I did go to the pub one afternoon and with like a notepad and a pen and I wrote the opening two two lines to five clock ceiling from the record, but that was literally it. And I just got drunk too quickly and then stopped writing. Uh, but, um, D- that definitely makes you a writer. Yeah, <laughs> but, but um, it, it's it's just what happens there and then. I one thing I do that really annoys me is I if an idea for a good lyric comes comes into my head, um, and, and just this is just a testament to how lazy I am. Rather than writing it down. I always say to myself if it's actually a good lyric It'll you'll remember again. it and it, <laughs> it does yeah.
1: he, 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 here's a testament to uh, how highly I think of you as a lyricist and what I've come to expect from the cleverness of these songs is that on I Broke Up and Emerenti from the new record I have spent I spent I don't know because that was released fairly early mm, I spent yeah. about two or three months assuming the chorus was referring to an overflow Ferrante as in Elena Ferrante the Neapolitan novels author who was a global sensation and I was like whoa, that's that's a deep cut Mm. It's like an over, like so, in a, so a mysterious Italian woman who's taken the world by storm. But I'm overflowing with these love stories wow. of when I was a girl in Naples.
0: Misheard Luis you know, lyrics is like a good.
2: We could just do yeah. a whole
1: show on that, but it's inaccurate. Sounds but I was crediting you for
2: it. Often the misheard ones are better, <laughs> and it's one of the hardest things is when people attribute meaning to a lyric that is better than the actual meaning, and yeah. I have to stop myself from appropriating that. But the 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 what you say about the mishearing the that's not the best mishear from this record even the well when we were recording For Whom the Belly Tolls Mm -hmm. from the the new record that's a pun it is Mm -hmm. and uh, I was doing the vocals for it and our producer John Goodmanson um, he stopped me and he was like Gareth, you're gonna have to try enunciating a bit better. It sounds like you're singing "For whom the belly tolls." <laughs> 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 I was like, Yeah, I am. yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <So>, yeah. <laughs> Great
1: shape, Gareth. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> just, just playing Angry Birds. Moving yeah, on. Yeah. Um, the the other thing that I was thinking about in listening to this record as a constant in in the in the discography. Can I say that? Yes, yeah, please. The discog do. Um, that I've always really admired is that. Many people put on rock and roll or whatever this is at this point as a suit of armor. Like you write yourself into a cooler character, you mm-hmm. write yourself into you write yourself as the hero in the story or that terrible breakup or whatever. There's always been an abject quality to, the, to your lyrics, which I really admire. You you don't hesitate hanging yourself out to dry in these situations. Yeah. Um, I, I, and up up until this record too, mm. and I, and I like I like what that says about your relationship to music, to being on the stage. You you you're not putting on the suit of armor in front of people, No. or the leather jacket for that matter.
2: No, and thank you because that is important to me. I think part of it is because a lot of the stuff, particularly early on, was about um, was about relationships and love, and I what I never wanted to be a songwriter who like was pinning it all on the person I was in a relationship with I didn't want it to be some always like horrible misogynist diatribes about I hate you you're a bitch and and so I think that in most cases I'm when when I am singing about about relationships and stuff it's I would agree I'm sort of putting myself out there and sort of the blame is always on me and rather than uh, it's sort of me analyzing myself and how I am a terrible person rather than rather than the opposite, which is kind of always been important. I think also probably easier for people to empathize with as well, which is which is which people seem to like.
0: Is that part of, like? And that that's almost partly related to the careerism part of it, though. I mean, I'm sure that if you have to be overly concerned with this persona that you're presenting and this like brand of a band that you're trying to like market to people that then you have to be more there has to be consideration i'm sure that there has got to be a radiohead song that's like just a fun little violent femme song that they just were like well this doesn't really fit into our dystopian (laughs) kind of like you know 20th century modern composers meets the pixies vision of the world and it's like it's tough i mean i wonder what i always wonder what bands like the the song that they just mess around with in the studio sounds like I and mean, that's what those
2: boxes
1: because sets at a certain point it becomes not an official it's it not, can't it, be a can't, song this, of this, this band is, this, this isn't is, one of
0: our songs yeah yeah
2: it's and that's kind of I guess that relates to one of the criticisms that is often laid at our band and it's fair is that we a lot of I've noticed people saying I wish they'd try something completely different. So like what? Why? Like I mean, <laughs> other I mean, bands do different things. We like the thing you do. I. This is um. I. This is a. Uh, an American sports analogy that I don't fully know, but I think you can fill in the gaps for me. Dude. You're in I a was, safe space. For that. I was. Who's the the basketball player Barry who who shot free throws underarm? Oh, Rick Barry. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I was. Um, That's a deep. That's a deep rash. Right. Well, I was listening to a, a podcast recently that was talking about who was who's the all-time highest average point scorer. Will Will Chamberlain, Will Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah, right. So he was he start, he threw underarm for a bit, right? A little From, bit, yeah. yeah. And his his conversion ratio was great, but then he stopped. Whereas Barry always threw underarm, and he said how he wasn't the best basketball player ever, but he was the best basketball player he could be. Whereas these other guys who refused to throw underarm were not because they could have been scoring more points. They wanted to look cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's what Los Campesinos is.
0: (laughs) Hey, before we continue with this conversation, let's just take a quick break for our sponsors. Hey everybody, just want to tell you a little bit about Sonos. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is turn on some music. It completely changes the atmosphere of my home and immediately puts me in a better mood. But even with my speakers on full volume, I could never hear whatever was playing throughout my house, you know? That's until I got Sonos. Sonos is a wireless home sound system that fills your home with pulse pounding sound. All you have to do is position your speaker where you want it, plug it in, tap the app, and you can stream anything you want and hear it via Wi-Fi. Just like that. No wires, no tricky programming no kidding with the Sonos app you can control everything from anywhere in the house play a different song in the living room in the bedroom even the bathroom or the same track in every room which is awesome for parties you adjust the volume you manage the settings It's all happens straight from your phone from your favorite music streaming services to your entire collection of downloads including audiobooks and podcasts Sonos lets you play it all so you can enjoy all the sounds you love anywhere in your home just go to Sonos.com to learn more that's S-O-N-O-S.com. We are also sponsored by Simply Safe. You ever find that when you're out of the house, maybe you're relaxing with family or friends somewhere out, you get that nagging feeling? This is something that drives me insane. Like, I'm always worried that I left the door unlocked or something like that, that I closed that window. You don't know, and then it drives you nuts. You almost want to drive home to check, but you don't have to worry about that when you got Simply Safe Home Security. It's a nice extra layer of protection just to know that Simply Safe is there because thanks to this arsenal of sensors intended to protect your entire home and keep your family safe, Simply Safe offers an extra layer of protection that will put your mind ease. Just recently, Safe released a brand new high-definition security camera that connects your security system to your smartphone. That way you can see everything that's going on at your home no matter where you are. No more wondering. Best of all, SimpliSafe got rid of everything that makes most home security such a pain. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees, they won't gouge you, and it's just 15 bucks a month. That's three times less than what the other companies charge. Go check out the new camera today. You'll get an exclusive 10% discount when you go to simplysafecom ringer. That's SimplySafe.com slash ringer.
1: I I wish I had saved or screenshotted uh, the text messages I got from Chris when he got the advance of six scenes because Mm -hmm. it was in all caps. And it was basically, and that there may have been some swears, which we can say on the show, but I'd rather leave it to people's imagination. But it was essentially about how good it is to hear your band singing in unison in group choruses. Yeah, I like I, that. One of my I, that's you clearly like that. Yeah. It is an extremely exciting I think moment I also when it comes in
0: saying this dude is seriously singing about the Bologna stadium <laughs> in the first song of an <laughs> yeah. album after like 4 years out of the mix. Well, like, I want to know if there's a connection,
1: I wonder if there's a football chant mentality to this that has infected oh. your own head and your songwriting or just where you where did you gain this appreciation for something that is so primal and so basic and so many bands ignore? Maybe they just don't have the it's like, you're, it's like you guys but, have like
0: that's your version of hand claps, where it's like you got to apply them judiciously, but when you when you let them yeah. out, it's amazing. Yeah, and, and then and then when you say, then the moment in
1: Amaranti when you say I'm going to need your help yeah. with this, I mean, any song that does that, I'm a sucker for. That's a thing that I love.
2: <laughs> the thing with doing that though is you will not believe the amount of takes I did of me like trying to do something that is meant to sound like an super athlete. casual, oh yeah, sure. super yeah. casual, but obviously isn't. Yeah. Because they
1: were real ready to help you out. Yeah, like You, yeah, did, you yeah, did not yeah, surprise them. Yeah. <laughs> they were ready.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it, I, I think that's the sort of thing where you always end up going with the first take, because yeah. by the end I'm like, oh, hey, oh, yeah, guys. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, hey you come come and help me yeah. Yeah. You guys here too? Yeah. <laughs> but the, the gang vocals is uh, it's an easy trope, but it's, <laughs> it's really satisfying. And especially live, there's a few moments in the set where it is like... Uh, I don't need to sing, and that's 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 great. As long as they do it in the right place, yeah. Um, th- then, yeah, that's that's amazing. And I think it helps, yeah, because we've got numbers in the band, and we've got we've got co-ed voices as well. So that makes it sound more interesting. But definitely football chants. There's a song on um No Blues, the end of gloomy, where it ends with a chant of ex-boyfriend give us a song, and that that is just a, a, a an edit to a to a football chant and I, I like that I like that a lot you talked about um, how,
1: how how great this has been so far in North America yes um, to connect with fans and, and to see how much the band has meant to people over the years and, and is connecting with people still that's an area I'm very curious about because Chris and I talk about this a lot and we were talking about it before you came we Became friends 20 years ago because we were both wearing indie rock T-shirts. Right, this matters to us. That's how you a band formed as well. Th- this is this is how you meet another person. You're like, oh, you like that band?
2: Yeah, Tom and um, I, th- I think Tom and Neil, Tom and Neil met, and that caused the formation of the band. And that was in like an indie rock club. I think one of them was wearing a Sufjan Stevens T-shirt. And the first day Neil and I met, we like very serendipitously. Were, we lived in the same halls at university. So complete potluck. And the day that he arrived, um, we both arrived on the same day. His parents had left. I was like, right, I'm going to go out and uh, meet my meet the people I'm going to be living with for the next year. I knocked on his door. He opened the door. I'm wearing a Sonic Youth t-shirt. And he's literally, this, it sounds made up, he's unraveling a signed Sonic Youth poster as it <laughs> happens. And it was just like... Right. Yeah. Like, this is going to be okay. And I met my best mate then, so and now we're, like, 12, 13 years later, we're still doing this band. It's and, amazing. and so
1: I don't want to make it sound like this is the old fogey question, although it might be. But, you know, a lot of our friendship and, and people that we knew came about that way. T-shirts, mm. um, posters on the wall. Chris and I used to upset. We, we used to buy Melody Maker and NME, like, at right. ridiculous import prices and mm-hmm. just be like, that's single of the week? Okay, yeah. I will spend $20 on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Why not? I'll try it. Um, the mystery to it was so exciting and sort of made us who we are today. What's your take on that? Because we're assuming that you had a similar experience with music um, as a music fan. Mm-hmm. Clearly, people are out there still loving music, young people. But I often wonder if if it feels less central to young people's lives because I am not leading a young person's life anymore mm. or because technology and everything has sort of disrupted all of it to the point of almost abstraction where there are people who love bands and fall in love with them but it doesn't feel as collective anymore.
2: Yeah I think I would uh, yeah I hate to say things like that because it does seem like somebody had this conversation people. 10 years ago about yeah, us. For yeah. sure yeah. and then
1: they'll have it again. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, all the caveats mm. were I, I'm being absurd but I'm also curious. Well, I
2: think that sort of being a teenager and developing your music taste and your interest now must be great because you you have access to everything and you needn't waste your time with, you needn't waste 20 bucks on an employed record that you're not going to like because you... Damn you, of the Replicants. <laughs> so everybody's got every, you know, you, you can listen to what you want, you can watch what you want, and that, and that's great, but I yeah, I guess I my sort of formative music years were played out on AOL chat rooms, um, like um not even message boards, but chat rooms where there was like a group of about twenty of us who talked in a music M C U K it was called what, Music Chat United. What King was Day. your handle? My handle was oh, it was a ludicrous it was That's why I asked. <gasps> I think it was Johnny Pringle. <laughs> which was some weird alias that me and a friend used for like writing prank letters to people <laughs> <It> <laughs> sounds <laughs> very yeah. and, and
1: to be clear because you guys met at the University of Cardiff yeah but you were not from Cardiff no where did you grow up
2: I grew up um, uh, 20 minutes outside Bath um, Jane Austen Roman territory sure. I was getting that vibe yeah exactly but I, that's where I live now as well um, moved away lived in Cardiff for like 8 years or so with Neil and with others in the band um but, yeah, that's that's kind of a sticking point because we're always called Welsh. Yeah. Okay. Which I totally understand because we say we're from Cardiff, but none of us are Welsh.
1: But, but every so often you just get a disapproving look from the super furry animals. They're like, this they're... is our this is our corner.
2: <laughs> we're good friends with them, and they are lovely people. Just, yeah. And uh, as long as we don't scorn our being mistaken as Welsh in front of them, then it's absolutely fine. As long as you don't try to
1: speak Welsh in front of them or spell, right? Yeah.
2: No, if, you do, if any sort of attempt at Welsh is just incredibly offensive because of <laughs> the, 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 there's so the, many continents yeah, it's weird sound, places yeah, man. Horrible. yeah it just sounds like clearing your throat
1: uh, sorry but I took you off. <laughs> <laughs> but I took you off the path um, it seemed like your answer was a positive one you think that people
2: I think it, I I will look back nostalgically at my time finding out about music and not too dissimilarly like buying the enemy every week and talking on message boards and like this was back in the day of like um you have more record shops to go into and just like look at the uh, i know that like it seems that record stores are still much more of a thing in the states but in the uk you've only got like 20 30 decent independent record stores left they're all closing down but people taking music in a di- in a different way now and that's it's no better or no worse it's um i'm gl- I'm glad that i experienced it the way i did but equally i'm sure that people who were uh, like 16, 17 years old now are glad that they're getting it the way they are rather, oh, than, sure. rather than how we have to. You
0: know, Andy alluded to this with the, the Melody Maker and Enemy stuff, and that that kind of like even – I started working at a record store in Boston called Newberry Comics and, you know, buy – I think I bought the, that Mogwai compilation of the singles that was like – the $19. one that had the, 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 ones ones had that were, the Kid Loco yeah, remix right. of Tracy. Yeah, But our fascination was like, you know, there was a degree of mystery about – Mm. music coming out of the UK um and I was always kind of curious for you whether it, the transatlanticism or whatever went both ways. Like did, the, what the music of America and, the, and specifically the indie music that you must have grown up with and whether that was like a mysterious thing before you got a chance to come over here and wondering about labels like Drag City and Matador mm-hmm. and Touch and Go and Kill Rock Stars, like the same way that we would be like wondering about you know, who was Bell and Sebastian or who was who was Mogwai and even earlier when, who was Blur and stuff. And you would get to have this kind of like window into it but not really experience
2: it I think I um, I was probably quite late in being interested in like properly interested in music probably until I was like 17 or something Mm -hmm. and as seems to be a a habit in much of my sort of late teens early 20s my main motivation for getting into music was annoyance at other people because (laughs) there were like dudes in my sixth form which is like like it's age 17 18 before you like go away school to, yeah. yeah right um, who were into music and they'd like bring acoustic guitars into the uh, into the social oh room and it'd always be playing like um, Radiohead yeah. and Jeff Buckley and um, which is which is fine which is great it's Incubus been... a lot of Incubus they were huge interesting
1: yeah um, did, did they have a guy with dreads who brought in like a portable turntable as well and just did some gentle acoustic <laughs> scratching behind well, I, them
2: that's what that I tried to make that my oeuvre yeah. didn't work out no, so then uh. I, that was when I started really getting into stuff like, uh, like Pavement was a huge one yeah. for 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 me um, first time I got into them was the Slatted and Enchanted reissue which I just read a review of in Q magazine and got that and fell in love with that and bands like Modest Mouse and Neutral Milk Hotel. Um, they were sort of the main ones back there. And then for a bit, it was like, it was exciting to find American bands yeah. rather than stuff that, I guess I made that part of my identity that I was into, basically into bands that people around me weren't into, which everybody of ever- Particular inclination goes through. Yeah, um, then you get to college and find out everybody was into those bands.
0: You yeah, know, you feel a little less original. Yeah, yeah.
2: and then you have to re- you, then you have to f- feign an interest in a particularly niche area. Oh, you have to go harder. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. You have to get go into ironic black metal. And... Yeah, exactly. Um... <laughs> Use eye statements when you yeah. say <laughs> things like that. <laughs> Royal you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess that's the age. I'm glad that I found all those bands, but. At, again, sort of my motivation to do so was, was a little uh, skeptical. Well, I
0: think it's a hell of a sadness if I'm remembering partic- right, but that had a lot of... Though you seem to have a, a quasi-romantic relationship to America, you know what I mean? And that, it, that it is, especially as a touring band, you get to see a lot of it mm. in a very particular way. Um, I'd love to know if you feel like it's changed at all.
2: <laughs> uh, I well, yeah, well, welcome to our nightmare. Can <laughs> we do some therapy? Yeah. Is, so, as I say, it's been five years since we properly got to uh, got to come to the states. We were like, we were touring the states like at the time of Obama's inauguration and stuff. So that was like so surreal, not realizing necessarily what a big deal that was at the time. I think we were in Florida, um, and so announcing this tour five years after we'd last done a big U.S. tour, we were obviously incredibly excited, like. This means I think this more than anything, getting to come back to the to the states and play these sold out shows is the most affirming thing. Like it really does mean the world. But then also feeling this real sense of guilt, like not feeling like I was like we should be excited to be entering this hellscape, yeah. and like how inconsequential us getting to do this tour is compared to the whole shitstorm that's going down. So now that I'm here. I, I feel. If I'm perfectly honest, I've not. We, we we drive to a venue. We're surrounded by people who um, I can only assume sh- share the same sort of politics as us. We're not really encountering. Um, you haven't seen any Make Campesino's Great Again hats. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Those are the people
1: who really like <laughs> no blues, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it would be sort of a mixed bag. <laughs>
2: um, so I've not noticed any difference i i think um i don't know when i've had this conversation with a couple of people they have said that but it's great that people are excited to see you and to to sort of have that escape from from the worries that they've got about the 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 situation um which i struggle it's great that people feel like that but i still because our band is so inconsequential it doesn't I can't really buy into that. Mm -hmm. But um, now that we're here, it feels fantastic. And we've not encountered anything particularly uh, unnerving, thankfully. But then again, we're not the sort of people who are going to be put into those positions or ever really struggle with that sort of thing. We're very privileged in that respect. So, um, yeah, it's kind of... It's not been uh, anything we've noticed.
1: Well, I I tend to... Uh, under, agree with what you're saying in the in the in the broadest strokes, but at the same time, like in in this hellscape, uh, your record was very helpful. It made yeah. me very happy because yeah. yeah, yeah, it's okay. the group singing. Yeah. That, yeah, you know, yeah, Honestly, like your record, uh, the Young Pope, and they now sell all dressed potato chips in our part of North America. Okay, which I don't know if you know about those, the Canadian chips. The I don't uh, crisps, uh, uh-huh. but they have yeah. all the flavors on them.
2: Well, these this is the at once.
1: Yeah, have you had these? No, they're I've su- had new chips,
0: which
2: are like, no, no. Kind of like this a, is
1: this is the Canadian thing. It's all dressed. They're literally every flavor they have in the factory
0: on one chip. But well, it takes the decision-making process out of it. It's divine.
2: Well, these are the positive news stories that are being hidden yeah. by, yeah. The, this uh, the, by real, the. this is the real. This is the real news by the liberal agenda. Yeah, yeah. who right. wants people to know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. sixteen is things. on shelves now. <laughs> yeah, all you you dress eat chips, chips are yeah. on shelves yeah. now. And then just yeah. move on with your life. Why is CNN reporting that?
1: I want to say Chris has been incredibly. Kind to not just talk to you about football. This entire conversation, I think he's been twitching to do so.
0: No, I, I really just want to ask because I, this is I have not done this with a song in such a long time that I was like, what happened at Renato D'Ara? Ara? And I was trying to figure out whether it was just something you saw. Is it, there was a famous England goal there?
2: Yeah. So in, um,
0: so the first song on the album is 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 about is named after the Bologna
2: Stadium, right? Yeah. Okay and yeah it's very deliberate I thought we've been away for a while we're going to come back with something incredibly lost Campesinos that yeah. will immediately isolate a large portion of our fan base <laughs> um, success <laughs> still got it still yeah. Yeah. got it um, so Renato Dallara is the stadium that in Italia 90 one of the England's better World Cup campaigns David Platt scored oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> David Platt scored a, an extra time winner a really great goal that, um, that put England through to the next round. um So that's like a, a massive high in, in England footballing history. And then two years later, played in the same stadium against San Marino. Real minnows, like one of the worst footballing nations never win a game. It's like six people. Yeah, team, yeah, like totally um like no professional players, that sort of thing. England played them in a game that they needed to win by like seven goals. And... To qualify, and they conceded after like a record-breaking time—nineteen seconds or something. So going from that 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 high to the low in the same place in a reasonably quick amount of time. And the the hook on that song is the once up, then back down again thing, which is I, I know that in like any music or comedy circuit or whatever, they say that you play every venue once on the way up and once <laughs> on, on the way, way down. back down, and that's I I guess with it's taking the piss out of ourselves uh, like uh, our career trajectory and and decline I figured that's
0: what living off 2008 meant but I was just I did actually go to 2008 matches played at that stadium just to see (laughs) if there was was there like a friendly that was played? And it was like, <laughs> yeah. no, they drew with Fiorentina. Yeah, sadly, I, I couldn't I
2: couldn't work the analogy yeah. quite that intelligently. Yeah. Luca
0: Tony, maybe? You know, like. Yeah, yeah.
1: So we got to let you go because you're playing one of these sold out shows
0: tonight in uh, Los team? Angeles. Hey, I, I like Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool, yeah. Okay. Okay. But but right. That was just like when I
2: got into your team. I support a team called Welton Rovers, uh-huh. who are my local team. That my like my family is always supported and I'm on the board of directors, wow. um which is not as glamorous as it sounds. It just Don't sort of... tell us that. Doesn't don't the guys who like, in direction
0: put themselves in the teams that they invest in? Like don't they like yeah, one of them has like things like other or something um, like that?
2: Yeah yeah he did He play, and they get to play in like the celebrity when they do like United Kingdom no England versus rest of the world matches yeah they get to play against the Don like Mike Myers will <laughs> play and stuff yeah. like that yeah exactly <laughs> and he gets to play and, and I've never been famous enough but um, and I do like the match day program so they got a couple of so I write edit and design the program for every match Um, and there's a couple of games whilst I home games whilst I'm away over here touring oh. so I still have to do that and I'm almost certainly gonna forget and wake up like, or oh, I've come off stage and be really wasted, and then have an email like, "Where's the program, Gareth?" It starts in three hours. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then, oh my god. But um, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's very much. Well, I'm Rovers are the love of my life, so what what can you do?
1: Is it a, is it a sort of a whiplash scenario though? Because you will tonight, you're going to play a sold out show here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. You are touring in a what has to be a plush. Bus, absolutely,
2: <laughs> same company as Taylor Swift uses.
1: Well, same company, yeah, <laughs> same, same not the same, same
2: bus. It's <laughs> the same
1: vehicle with four wheels that yeah, she has yeah, been on yeah, once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally get it. Um, and then in a in a couple weeks or months, you know, you're, you're back designing programs until yeah. you do this again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that whip, is there a whiplash to it, or do you appreciate that it's up and it's not up and down because you're not down mm. when you're done? But it's just in terms of your day to day.
2: Um, I'm, ve- I'm very content with my life i I love i love the band i love doing the band so much and spending time with my mates touring but i'm aware of what a privilege that is so i don't expect it all the time and then when we're off it's just i just concentrate really hard on um paying bills but also like just thinking of ways to that we can do something else again and and that's really i like it like that i think that a lot of bands have it Have it too easy, and it's not healthy to to just be the person you are in a band. And it's nice that we all go back and apply ourselves to real life. and um, And I look forward to it. I won't. I don't want tour to end, but and I'll be sad when it does. But that's that's just life.
1: Tour tour ends for Taylor Swift too. It's true. It ends for us all, just like this podcast.
2: (laughs) Nice That's Fast journalism. Thank you so much for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, Gareth. My pleasure. Thank you ever so much for having me.
0: Just want to say thanks again to Sonos for sponsoring today's show. Sonos is a wireless home sound system that fills your home with pulse-pounding sound. From streaming services to downloads, including audiobooks and podcasts, Sonos lets you play it all. And with the Sonos app, you can play a different song in every room, adjust the volume, and manage other settings straight from your phone. So you can enjoy all the sounds you love anywhere in your home. Just go to Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com to learn more. This episode of The Watch is also brought to you by a couple of uh, The Ringer's other podcasts. The Ringer's gaming podcast, Achievement Oriented, and our wrestling podcast, The Masked Man Show, are breaking off of Channel 33. So now you can subscribe to each of them on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or every get podcasts. Go listen to Ben and Jason on Achievement Oriented. Go listen to The Shoemaker on Masked Man, their great podcasts. Check them out.